Welcome to Lead with Less, the podcast for confident professionals with me, your host, Tash Peterson, Certified Leadership and Mindset Coach. This is the podcast for confident professionals that will help you move through overwhelm, burnout and self-doubt by sharing actionable strategies and practical steps that can have an immediate impact for you. With a mix of solo and guest episodes, I will share everything I've learned and applied over the last decade that has enabled me to create an extremely successful HR career and since then a profitable and thriving coaching business, all while blending it with everyday life and motherhood. I've also coached and empowered over 150 clients through one-on-one coaching and group programs to transform their lives and careers using these strategies. They now confidently thrive as their best selves and now I want you to have access to all of the goods too. This is the perfect spot if you're new to your career, a seasoned professional or aspiring into a people leadership role and want to lead with less so you can live and work with more confidence, clarity and energy. Hello, hello and welcome to another episode of Lead With Less. I am here for a solo episode. The ones that I love, I also love guest episodes. Actually, just, I love them all. Love them all. Uh, this is one that's been on my mind for a little while to record. It's all about five practices that will boost your energy at work. Now, you know that everything we talk about on Lead With Less is how you can lead with more clarity, confidence, and energy. So that means that we need to work on the things to reduce the burnout, overwhelm, and self-doubt. And so I thought this is actually a really important episode to record. By the time that this airs or is released, we'll be towards the end of November, we'll be coming into December, which in New Zealand is, we're reaching that kind of summer holidays mark where people start wrapping up for the year to take some time off before starting back in the new year. For those in the northern hemisphere you are probably in the depths of winter which this could actually be really helpful for you to re-energize yourself as well and actually this what I'm sharing in this episode is going to be beneficial at any point and actually something that I would recommend you put in place as a consistent practice in your day-to-day work life these five things that I share are I share in all of my programs you know, all of my courses, it's fundamental. These are the things that if done regularly, consistently and done well to the best of your ability, of course, and practiced, honestly, it will change the game. It really, really will. It will reduce all of the overwhelm. It will reduce that feeling of low energy and being on that pathway to burnout. And it will honestly give you the consistent, sustainable and maintainable energy day in day out if you put in place these fundamental practices and so even though this is what I share in my courses I want to share that literally with everyone (laughs) if I can make this you know if I can make this as accessible as possible I know that this will have a profound impact for you so I'm here to share it they are simple things these are things that I still work with one-on-one clients on and it might be that we are doing more of the mindset work behind it but these practices are simple they're not necessarily easy if you've listened to my other episodes you'll know that I talk about that differentiation that even though something is simple doesn't necessarily mean it is easy but if we can focus on the simplicity of it we can actually make it easier for ourselves so I'll talk a little bit about that as well so let's dive in 
The first practice that will boost your energy at work is having an arrival routine. Now, this is something that I think is so beneficial. Whether you commute to work, you drive, go to an office, or whether you work at home and have a dedicated workspace, having some form of arrival routine or arrival practice can be really beneficial to move your brain from driving, getting dressed, (laughs) breakfast, whatever, into we're now starting work. That mindset transition, that mind shift helps to kind of close off the energy that we used in getting to this point and then kind of tap into the energy to now be focused in work. And so an arrival routine can be, you know, you sit down at your desk, you might have your cup of tea, your water, your coffee, whatever your drink is, and you might just take a moment to be like, okay, I'm starting work. And then you step into step two. But having this intentional practice of, okay, I've just finished driving or I've just finished getting ready. Now I'm sitting down and I'm starting work. That intentional shift is such a powerful energy shift because we're leaving behind what we've just done and we're now stepping into what we're about to do. Now, if you commute, this can be even more needed because uh, so I used to live in Auckland and when I worked for my last company I needed to commute from Riverhead into the city if I was stuck in traffic that would be over an hour commute but if I managed to beat the traffic it would be a 20 minute drive seriously traffic right and part of my arrival routine that I actually did was I started to commute in silence so instead of listening to music or podcasts or things like that I actually started to have part of my arrival routine be that I would drive in silence what I found for me was until I did it for a couple of weeks I noticed how much calmer I was when I arrived at work I was clearer in my mind my nervous system was a little bit more regulated and I was able to really transition into work mode a lot quicker and what it made me realize was how kind of frantic and stressed the energy can be when you're commuting right because everyone's driving people you know you've and then you've got the radio going or you've got some kind of stimulus happening plus you're kind of feeling that stress of oh god I'm stuck in traffic and then you're going to have that frustration building and it can all just feel like a lot where kind of creating some sense of intentional space can just have such a powerful uh, effect on your nervous system now if you listen to my podcast while you're commuting (laughs) don't stop Uh, but hopefully my podcast can offer a nervous system soothing (laughs) experience but if you decide that once or twice a week you want to reduce all kind of input as part of your drive then absolutely do that but if you don't commute you know say if you work from home and you're literally walking you know from one end of your house to another to start at your you know at your workstation or your work desk again like kind of having that okay even though I'm still at home I'm actually physically now stepping into work I'm in my workspace so now I'm here stepping into work energy and into that work mindset shift now it's not about ignoring that you have a life like you know I definitely don't subscribe to oh when you step into work like nothing else exists not at all what this just is about is about how can we just shift the energy of where our mind is into where we need our mind to be 
So again, just having that arrival routine just creates a bit more of an intentional transition, which can just allow you to utilize your energy in a better way. It allows your energy to be a bit more regulated because you are actively shifting from one state into another. This will do absolute wonders for how the rest of your day flows. So second thing to boost your energy at work, have a to-do and plan for the day. Honestly, if you don't know what you're doing throughout the day, if you don't know what you need to get done, you're going to frantically be chasing your tail. You're going to be so reactive to all of the things, to your emails, to people showing up at your desk, to people contact you, contacting you via Slack or Teams or whatever other form of communication. And you're going to get to the end of the day feeling like you've got nothing done. We know that feeling, right? Or you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I feel like I've done so much, but I feel like I have nothing to show for it. And a big cause of that is not actually knowing what are the key things that you need to get done for the day. So if you listen to my other podcast episodes around minimal viable planning or the overwhelm buster, knowing what your three critical tasks for the day are that are going to move the needle is going to be the best way to use your energy throughout the day. So if you were to only do three things today or on any workday that were fundamentally going to shift the needle on your workload, whether that's, you know, finishing a report or contributing to a project that you need to contribute to or getting a piece of work done or getting, you know, started on something new, whatever the critical thing is that's going to fundamentally move the needle on your workload, what are those three things? And only three Like if you were to only do those three things, you would feel successful for the day. Now, you might end up doing more than three things because obviously things happen, work happens, but these are the three things that you would come back to. These would be the three tasks that would anchor you of going, okay, this is what I'm focusing on. This is where my energy is going today. It could be something that you've been procrastinating for a while. It could be something that you've been avoiding doing. It could be something that, you know, actually contributes to something bigger. It could be something that completely closes, you know, something off, whatever it might be. If you were to do those three things, you would feel like you've had success today. Now, this point becomes more powerful if you used it from the day before so what are the things from the day before that you either didn't get to or that transferred itself to the next day are those things critical things because one thing that perfectionists overachievers high achievers do is lots of long to-do lists the more things on this to-do list the more things I can tick off the more productive I feel But ultimately, so many of those things on the to-do list aren't needle-moving things. They're not critical success tasks because they're things that have either just been there for a long time or things that would be nice to do if we had the time or the space or the capacity to do them. Whereas if you get really strict with yourself and plan out your day with what are the three critical things that I need to do in order to move the needle on my workload – And then plan them in your calendar, book them in with some buffer time because again, work happens, life happens, things might take longer than you estimated, you might get interrupted, it might take you longer to refocus, etc, etc. But if they are planned, if they're booked, if they're committed, you have something to anchor you back. 
The other reason why this is really important is when you get interrupted, and this is going to be point five as well, like when you get interrupted by Slack or Teams or someone walking up to your desk or a phone call or something like that, it can take, I think it's now 15 to 30 minutes to reset, to refocus back to what you were doing. And often when your to-do list isn't clear on what you need to actually get done, when you do get distracted, you don't know what you what you need to come back to. You don't know what it is that you need to actually continue working on so that you, you end up getting distracted by other things. You're like, oh, I'll just do these emails or oh, I'll just start this other thing. And then again, you get to the end of the day being like, what did I actually do? So to do and plan your day. So once you've done your arrival routine, or this can even be part of your arrival routine, to do and plan your day and be strict with yourself. Discipline creates freedom. The more disciplined you are, the more clear you are about what you need to do and why you need to do those things, the more free you tend to feel in your day because you're not chasing your tail because you know what you're focused on. So this is an important one. The third thing is to have deep work time. So Carl Newport in his book Deep Work talks about having isolated focus time where you completely eliminate distractions and you focus on your must-dos, your critical your critical success tasks. So, you know, we can't concentrate for long periods of time, but we can concentrate for 60 to 120 minutes at a time. So you might book three 60-minute deep work sessions across your day, or it might be three 90-minute sessions across your day where you focus on one of those success tasks for each deep work session and during the deep work session your emails are closed your slack your teams your phone is on silent everything is on do not disturb everything is in a state where you do not get distracted because again as i mentioned it can take 15 to 30 minutes to refocus after you've been distracted so having key times throughout your day where you completely eliminate distractions is so so key And honestly, it is a huge energy-giving practice to have times where you can just focus. Now, if you work in an open-plan office, this can be really challenging to do because there's people walking around everywhere. People can just show up at your desk. It can feel really hard to actually have really deep focus time. So can you use a meeting room? I know a lot of organizations really, quote-unquote, frown upon this, but Open plan offices are so unproductive (laughs) for so many reasons. Yes, they add a bit of social element and collaboration element, but they're also extremely unproductive for people who need a lot of focus time to do work. So can you utilize a meeting room? Can you utilize a breakout space in your office? Can you go somewhere else where you can utilize that? So maybe if you have the ability of a bit more of a hybrid model where you can work from home and work from the office, can you plan your deep work time for when you're working at home where you can have a bit more kind of distraction less <laughs> space to be able to get your critical success tasks done this is so so key we are inundated with distraction we're inundated with the ability to be contacted and connected but it completely harms our ability to actually be productive and get stuff done and this is why we end up spending hours and hours and hours and hours doing something that could have been done within one hour but because we keep getting distracted we never actually get anything done so that one is absolutely key there is do not disturb functions on every communication platform on your phone on slack on teams 
on your computer. I put my computer into do not disturb mode, which automatically puts my phone on do not disturb mode, which means I get no notifications from anything. Uh, and I've also had, you know, for most of my corporate working life, I never had my email notifications on. <laughs> that was just me, but it did wonders in me being able to do my job. So that's number three. Number four is utilizing breaks and resets. Now, I'm getting to the point where I'm so sick of people not taking their breaks. You are legally entitled to take work breaks. And if you tell me you don't have time to take a break, that means you need to take a break more, more than anyone else. Like who does not have time to take 10 or 15 minutes to go outside and get some fresh air or to go and get a glass of water or to go and grab a snack or something to eat? Like if your life is, if your work life is so back-to-back packed with meetings, calls, things like that, that you can't even look after yourself for 10 to 30 minutes, two to three times a day, there is something fundamentally wrong with the way that your work and your organization prioritizes well-being. And I know that that probably sounds really harsh, but it's true. If you literally cannot respect yourself enough to give yourself two 10-minute breaks and one 30-minute break, at least, at the literal least, every single day to nurture yourself, to feed yourself, to give yourself fresh air, there is something fundamentally wrong with the priority of well-being. Work is not that important unless you literally work in emergency services, but they also get breaks. Work is not that important that you can't take an hour to an hour and a half every day to look after yourself across the day. Seriously. This is why I say to people, it's not jobs that burn people out. It's their lack of boundaries with their jobs that burn them out. Because every job is busy. Every workload will never end. There's always more to do. The emails will never be at inbox zero forever. It'll just never end. And so you have to make the time in order to look after yourself to be able to make this long-term sustainable. So if you, aren't ta- if you aren't making time in your day to take at least two 10-minute breaks and one 30 to 60-minute break, that's on you. And I would encourage you to have a conversation with your team that if your team as a team does not prioritize well-being in that way, as a team, you're never actually going to be reaching your full potential. To be able to be a high performer, to be able to be your best, you have to have moments of rest and reset you have to otherwise you become overwhelmed and you burn out being on and productive 24 7 is not a long-term strategy so taking breaks and resets if taking a whole 30 to 60 minute break in one go for your lunch feels uncomfortable start small how about you just go and eat a sandwich at least away from your desk so that you at least get that 10 minute break away from your desk that in, it, in and of itself will have a huge impact. But honestly, if people keep telling me that they don't have time to take a break, I'm literally going to scream <laughs> because it's not okay. It's not good enough. And unless you enforce that for yourself, no one else is going to enforce it for you. You have to be the one that's willing to prioritize your energy so that you can show up long term in your life not just in your work but in your life so there's my loving challenge for you and lastly the fifth one is this phrase that I love to use which well this question 
probably I shouldn't I should change this from a question to being a statement is can I come back to you this is a really powerful one when you are prone to being interrupted so whether that's via slack or where actually this is more to use if someone comes up to your desks up to your desk especially people who are like I just sent you this email it's like yeah cool I'm busy I haven't read it I'll come back to you after I've read the email but this is a really great question to get look, I'm in the middle of something, can I come back to you? And what this question does, it can do multiple things. The first thing is it can have them justify why them being there and asking you and, and interrupting you is valid. So if you say, can I come back to you? And they say, no, this is really urgent. You can, clar- you can clarify whether the urgency is actually real. Now, the reason I say this is because some people believe something is urgent when really it's not. It's just urgent for them because of their deadline. And really, your deadline's not my deadline, okay? <laughs> so by saying, can I come back to you? Saying, look, I can't work on this right now. If you want me to do this, then what else do I need to let go of? Or what else do I need to stop? So again, this puts the onus on the person coming to interrupt you to justify why their request is more important than what you are currently doing. And this just allows you a little bit more space before you say yes. Now, for a lot of people, saying no to something can feel really uncomfortable. So instead, I suggest, how can you say yes more slowly? How can you ask more questions before you say the yes? Right. So the first thing is, is that it can make someone justify their request. Is their request really important? The second thing it can do is that it can potentially make them go and ask someone else so that you can continue to work on what you need to do. Now, I know that that probably sounds terrible being like, yeah, but is that really the right thing to do? It's like, well... I don't know, but ultimately we need to make sure that you have the capacity to do the work that you have to do. And the third thing that it can do is it can actually prompt them to get it done themselves or they can realize that it's just not important and it can actually wait until later. So again, the statement, it's not about blatantly saying no or saying no to that person or saying no to that thing. It's about stating your current position of, look, I'm in the middle of something. Can I come back to you on this? And then picking it up then. Because ultimately, again, you have to respect your own workload. One thing I hear often in the courses that I run and in one-on-one coaching with clients is I feel like people don't respect my time. I feel like people don't respect how much work I've got on. People don't respect that I can't even get through my own workload, but they keep asking me things. And one thing I ask is, do you say yes when people ask you things? And often the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, I do say yes. So if you don't respect your own workload, if you don't respect the fact that you don't have space to say yes, but you keep saying yes, that's all people pay attention to, right? People are <laughs> sometimes just very selfish. They're trying to get their own things done. So often they can ask for help. And unless you are also helping yourself by saying, look, I actually don't have the capacity to help you right now. Uh, you need to either, I can come back to you later, something else needs to give, or you can ask someone else for help. They're not going to necessarily see that they need to respect your time in return. So again, people tend to treat us the way that we allow them. So if we consistently say yes, and we consistently let you know do the things that people are asking us, even at the detriment of ourselves, people are going to continue to do those things right so again it's that practice of are you respecting your own time are you respecting your own energy are you respecting your own workload and making sure that that is priority and I'm not saying that you are not there to help other people 
we're you know you're part of a team you are there to to offer help and you are there to you know be of service to others but not at the extent where you're never getting your own work done and you're having to work 10 hour days just to try and get through stuff because you're spending all of your work time trying to help other people with their jobs there is always a balance there is always a balance between ensuring that you have the time and the space and the capacity to do your job and to show up in your job well and then also showing up for the people around you and supporting them in the ways that they need support and it's a balance that isn't black and white there are going to be times where we do need to ebb more into supporting the team or helping others because of something that's come up and then there's also the flow of coming back to ourselves and going okay well I need to actually prioritize my workload or my time or my energy so that I can you know create success in my job and with where I am so you can tell I got a little bit heated there because literally the fundamental part of every conversation that I have with every client that I work with and in every program that I run is this constant balancing act between prioritizing ourselves and our well-being and our own energy and our workload versus you know constantly being at the beck and call of the people around us so maybe that's a whole episode in and of itself but those are the five things that if practiced consistently and regularly will honestly boost your energy at work it will change the game it's they aren't necessarily easy things to implement but they are simple things and if you break them down and just start small and maybe it's you just choose one to start with maybe you just choose one to begin with and then as that becomes more practiced and that starts feeling quote-unquote easier you can then extend to either adding others or to you know making that one action bigger so I'll just share them again the first one is arrival routine so having a very intentional practice of shifting from getting to work into work mode the second thing is to do and plan like actually having the critical success tasks for your day so the three things that are going to anchor you in when you get sidetracked or get distracted so what are the three things that if you only did those three things your day would be successful deep work time and user using do not disturb so really really focusing on having uninterrupted time in your day to work on your critical success tasks because if you don't have that time you're going to be chasing your tail and you're constantly going to feel like you're getting nothing done the fourth thing is breaks and resets you are legally entitled to at least three breaks across your day two 10 minute breaks two 10 to 15 minute breaks and one lunch break so 30 to 60 minutes honestly <laughs> if you don't have time to take them you desperately need the time to take them so make time to give yourself a break so that you can show up as the best version of yourself in your job and in your life being the martyr not taking a break not looking after yourself is not the way to play the long game of your life and your career and then the fifth thing is utilizing the question can I come back to you so prioritizing the need for the time and space to do your own work but then also making sure that if you are going to give up that time to help and serve someone else that either something else gets taken off you or that it is valid that you are the best person to do that with them or that right now is the time that that needs to be done 
So I hope that this episode has been helpful. I hope that these five practices, however simple they are, can really help you in shifting how your energy is used at work, but then also help you to re-energize your energy at work as well so that you can show up in a better way for yourself and for your team. So let me know what you think. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know which practice you're going to work on the most. And yeah, go forth and lead with less burnout, overwhelm, and self-doubt. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lead With Less, the podcast for confident professionals with me, Tash Peterson. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. As a thank you, each month, one lucky reviewer will get a 45-minute one-to-one coaching session with me where you will get the tools and strategies to lead with less burnout, overwhelm, and self-doubt. And if you know anyone who could benefit from listening to the show, then please do share this with them and help me reach as many confident professionals as possible.